0: Timeshare leasing is a common practice in the healthcare industry, but it has numerous legal and compliance risks.
1: Captain Integrity Production and the law firm of Nelson Mullins presents Stark Integrity, the Stark Law and Compliance Podcast. Stark Integrity explores the world of the Stark Law and Healthcare Compliance with our nationally recognized Stark Law, Fraud, and Compliance Attorney, Bob Wade. Bob has a national health care legal and compliance practice that focuses on the minions of the Anti-Kickback Statute, False Claims Act, and the Stark Law, including fair market value and commercial reasonableness. Although Bob is a law partner in the national law firm of Nelson Mullins, The views expressed in Stark Integrity are Bob's personal views and not the views of the firm, and they are not intended to be legal advice. Now, without further ado, I give you Captain Integrity, Bob Wade.
0: Welcome to Stark Integrity, the Stark Law and Compliance Podcast. My name is Bob Wade, and I am your host. Well, today we're going to be talking about timeshare leasing, and the title is Real Estate 2, Timeshare Leasing Arrangements Under the Stark Law, and I would encourage anyone who's listening to this, if this is your first real estate uh, episode that you're listening to on my podcast, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to the first real estate because that sort of sets the foundation for what I'm going to be talking about with respect to timeshare leasing. And when I was in-house as well as, uh, as as the outside attorney, frequently when I am called by a client that wants to set up a timeshare arrangement, my first reaction, and I somewhat say it in jest, is don't. Uh, I, I explain to them that I understand it's a common thing for designated health service entities like hospitals to provide to referring physicians and group practices but there are numerous compliance risks and legal risks that are attached to establishing and most importantly the monitoring of timeshare arrangements. Timeshare arrangements can be established in a compliant and legal fashion checking all of the legal boxes but the problems usually occur when the arrangement is operationalized. That's the supervision and the monitoring of the timeshare arrangement to make sure that every single day that the timeshare tenant is using the space, equipment, staff, et cetera, that that usage is consistent with the agreements that have been established and consistent, most importantly, uh, with the compensation arrangement that determined fair market value for the timeshare arrangement. And there are a few ways that you can structure these arrangements under various Stark Law exceptions. And just like any financial arrangement, all you have to do is find one exception that you comply with. And here, you can either either turn to the leasing of office space exception, and that's the one that I went into a great detail in the previous episode. You can also establish a bundle of goods and services, which would be space, equipment, staff, supplies, etc. And that bundled arrangement that you are providing could fit within the personal service arrangements or fair market value exception. And there you're focusing on the bundle of goods and services are being provided. One component of that would be the real estate that is going to be provided on a timeshare arrangement or CMS has established a new Stark Law exception called the Timeshare Arrangement Exception. And that's the one I'm going to focus on today. And uh, so first off, I'm gonna kick off going through the various details of the timeshare arrangement. Then I'm going to go through three examples of ways that timeshare arrangements can be put together and as I see them customarily put together in the healthcare industry. Now let me just kick off my explanation of the timeshare exception with the greatest issue or liberty basically under the timeshare arrangement as opposed to the rental of office space exception. As I detailed in the previous episode dealing with real estate, the tenant under the real estate leasing exception under the Stark Law has to be the exclusive user of space except for common areas. Now under the timeshare arrangement there is no exclusive use requirement. So you can have in a single space multiple timeshare tenants with the assumption that you can have the appropriate oversight but there is no exclusive use requirement as as long as the calculation of fair market value takes into account the multiple timeshare tenants that are using that space. The second thing with respect to timeshare arrangement exception is it's broader than just the physical space. The timeshare arrangement exception includes equipment, personnel, items, supplies, or services. So it goes into a broader aspect than just looking at the physical space. So now for the components of the timeshare exception. Well, first off, like most of the Stark Law exceptions, it has to be in writing, signed by the parties, and specifies the space, equipment, staffs, et et cetera, that is part of the timeshare arrangement. Next, the arrangement is between a physician or a physician organization, which a physician organization is that entity that primarily provides physician services. So you need a physician or a physician organization. And... It has to be with a hospital or another physician organization in which the physician is not an owner, employee, or contractor. So under the timeshare arrangements, it's with a physician or a physician organization and their time leasing space from a hospital or another physician organization. Next is the, the space and the equipment, personnel, supplies, etc. has to predominantly be used for evaluation and management services, which is the professional component. So typically it's when the, the physician or the non-physician practitioner is providing direct patient care for which an evaluation and management code can be billed and in the provision of those evaluation and management services are on the same schedule as the timeshare arrangement so cms is stating by this exception that the timeshare arrangement should be focusing on the professional component and not the technical component and obviously the technical component could include designated health services then if equipment is going to be provided that equipment must be located in the same building where the physicians' evaluation and management services are being furnished, that they're not furnished for the performance of designated health services, except if those designated health services are incidental to the physicians' evaluation and management services. So you couldn't set up a timeshare arrangement by way of example that the primary focus is the leasing of an MRI uh so cuz the mri is a designated health service and so the primary motivation of that timeshared space or that timeshare arrangement would be for the mri service and so that would not fit within the timeshare arrangement exception and the arrangement cannot include advanced imaging equipment like the mri that i talked about radiation therapy equipment, or clinical or pathology laboratory equipment. So those are items that cannot be part of the timeshare arrangement to fit within the timeshare arrangement exception. And again, you can use other exceptions to apply for those items or services. They, they just can't fit within the timeshare arrangement exception. And as a standard in most Stark Law exceptions, that the arrangement cannot be conditioned on the referrals coming from the physician or physician organization that the hospital's leasing the time-shared space to. And the largest component of this exception is the compensation. So the compensation has to be set in advance. So prior to the commencement of the arrangement, the compensation arrangement has to be determined in in advance, has to be consistent with fair market value, which we've talked about previously in most of the Stark Law exceptions. And it cannot be determined based upon the volume or value of referrals, which is also standard. And it cannot be based upon a formula that is either a percentage of the revenue that the physician or physician organization is generating through the timeshared space or it cannot be based on a per-click arrangement. And lastly, the arrangement must be commercially reasonable. So there must be a valid business or clinical Use for the space that is reasonable. So that's the timeshare arrangement exception, and now let's apply that to three type of examples that I normally see with clients that I am working with. And the first example is that a hospital has an office suite, and they intend to use the office suite most of the time. But let's say in this example, the hospital only wants to use that space four out of five business days so once a week that space is open for other potential providers so that's that's one example where the hospital is going to be using the space but there's a day where the hospital will not be using the space so otherwise it is going to be used full-time the second example is where a hospital will set up a time-shared suite in Sweden. A lot of times this happens in like rural areas where the hospital sets up a timeshared suite and they intend to operate that suite as a timeshared suite for other physicians and specialists to come into the market and they'll have a place where they can actually see patients uh, so that you set up a space and it's designated for co-use by various physicians and specialists as they come in uh, to the community to provide necessary medical services for that service area. And the last example is when the physician, whether it's the first example that we're using the space when the hospital is not using it, or there's a time-shared suite that is set up that is used for multiple physicians or specialists. In the third example, you have a physician or physician group comes in, and let's say that it's a 1,000-square-foot space, but they say, well, that's just way too large for what we need. We only want to use half of it. So we only want to use 500 square feet out of the 1,000 square feet so just bill us accordingly. So in timeshare arrangements you will need to look at the landlord and here I'm going to use the hospital. What items, services, equipment will that hospital be providing to the physicians who are going to be timeshare tenants? And most of the time in timeshare arrangements it's not just the physical space. Uh, They will be using furniture and equipment that is normally in a physician office, so exam tables, desks, a reception area, et cetera. Uh, There will also be various medical and office supplies, uh, because you would not expect a timeshare physician uh, to bring all of their supplies, the gauzes, uh, tongue depressors, and things like that with them as they're entering into a timeshared space. So you'll need to look at all of those items or services that the hospital will be providing, and that needs to be factored into the fair market value calculation for that timeshare space. And also, frequently, timeshare tenants need to use other personnel that's provided by the landlord hospital. Uh, So, for example, you'll have a nurse, you have a reception, there could be some scheduling of patients that are going to occur. Each of those are benefits to the timeshare tenant. And so, therefore, all of those services that are being provided by the landlord here the hospital have to be accounted for and assessed in the fair market value calculation for the timeshare tenant. So, let's assume for these examples that we have calculated a gross per square foot rental rate if a tenant was going to use the space full-time and let's say that that gross rental rate is eighteen dollars per square foot and as we calculated that uh, let's say that we have a one thousand square foot suite that is being used in all three of the examples And the building has 6,000 square feet with 1,000 of that 6,000 being common area. So this is like the common restrooms, the entranceway, the hallways, uh, things like that. That that would be deemed to be common area uh, for the suite. All that has to be factored in. And then let's also assume in this example when we get into part uses that the uh, tenants are going to be the, using the suite in four-hour blocks. So there's a, like an 8 a.m. to noon and a 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. I actually, had one CO said that he wanted to lease out a timeshared suite on the hourly basis. I would not go there. Um, it really needs to be in a a chunk of time, and having a four hour block of time is is sort of a reasonable. So I, even though you probably could come up with an hourly rate for a timeshared suite, uh, just the management of an hourly rate becomes a, you know, problematic from my perspective or challenging from my perspective. So in this example, we also believe that the furniture and equipment, if it was going to be leased on a full-time basis for one year the value of that lease is two thousand dollars and again I'm just grabbing numbers out of the air just for an example and the miscellaneous office and medical supplies that are going to be put into the suite for the timeshare tenants use the approximate value of that we're projecting is five thousand dollars annually and for the sake of these examples I am not going to go into trying to calculate staff But the same methodology that I am using to try to calculate the fair market value for the space and also the equipment and furniture can be used for staff depending upon the hourly rate and benefits for the staff that's being used by the timeshare tenant. So in the first example, which I would call is the easiest example, remember this is the one where the hospital is otherwise using the 1,000 square foot space except for one day a week and a physician group would like to use it. One day a week. So the calculation would be that in this medical office building, there is 5,000 usable, rentable square feet, and we're using 1,000. So we are using 20% of the rentable square feet of that building. And then, as I indicated in the example, there's 1,000 square feet of common area. So if we're using 20% of the rentable, then the common area, 20%, would have to be calculated or allocated to this suite. So that would be 200 square feet. So you take the 1,000 Uh, multiply that by 20%, you come up with 200. So that would be 1,200 square feet that you would apply to the gross rental rate. And this is all assuming that in your market, this is how the uh, rental rates are established. So there could be some variations in this calculation. But if you take that 1,200 square feet, multiply that by the $18 gross, you come up with twenty one thousand six hundred dollars you divide that by fifty two weeks so to come up with a a weekly rate and the weekly rate is four hundred and fifteen dollars and thirty eight cents you divide that weekly rate by five days per week so the daily rate would become eighty three dollars eight cents now in these calculations there could be some rounding in that so uh, just for the use of the space it would be eighty three dollars and eight cents and I'm going to do the same thing with the furniture and equipment. I said that was $2,000. We think the value to lease that furniture and equipment for one year. You divide that by 260 business days, and that's $7.70. The same thing with the medical and office supplies at $5,000. You divide that by 260 business days, and you come up with $19.23. So when I add all of that together, the daily rate for that space would be $110.01. So let's call it $110. So that's for the use of the space, the furniture and equipment, and the miscellaneous office supplies and medical supplies for one day a week when the hospital is not otherwise using that space. Now, turning to the second example where the hospital sets up a time-shared suite, and so multiple tenants can use this, the, the factor that comes into play here is what I call a vacancy factor. So this is basically similar to a hotel room, and so this is how I describe this to my clients is that when you stay one night at a hotel, you're not paying fair market value, that's the allocation of that space uh, that if you were going to be the full-time user there's a vacancy factor that you're paying for the administrative overhead you're also paying when you stay in a hotel for the nights that that room is sitting empty that is the freedom for using space part-time. So in in my analysis, I believe that you need to apply a vacancy factor. So let's assume that we think that it is going to be leased out 70% of the time, which means that the space will be sitting idle about 30% of the time. So what we need to do is we need to, need to take... The fair market value gross rental rate of $18 and apply a 30% vacancy factor. So basically, you would take the $18 and divide that by 0.7 for the usage time, and that comes up with $25.71. So that is the per square foot rental rate. After the application of a vacancy factor. So we'll multiply the $25.71 by the 1,200 square feet, which includes the allocation of the common area. And that equates to thirty thousand eight hundred fifty two dollars you divide that by fifty two weeks in a year so the weekly rate is five hundred ninety three dollars thirty one cents you divide that by five to come up with a daily rate the daily rate is 118 dollars and sixty six cents and if we're going to create a half day or four hour usage you take that amount and divide that by two and you come up with fifty nine dollars and thirty three cents and you may have to rewind this and listen to that and write down the numbers to make sure that you have the methodology down but that's the methodology that i would use in order to apply the vacancy factor and in addition to that you would have to apply the uh, the rental rate for the furniture and equipment also the medical and office supplies would have to be added to that so in in the third example that i introduced now the tenant only wants to use half of the space now if you have two tenants in there using it and you have Using the timeshare arrangement exception, since there does not need to be an exclusive use, then you can divide that amount between the two tenants. But otherwise, if there's only one tenant in that 1,000 square foot space, it may be challenging, difficult, impossible to divide up that space uh, so that the you're only allocating 500 square feet for usage. So the the fear I would have here is timeshare creep, that you agree that you will, will allow the tenant to use 500, but that partition gets moved a little bit, and now the, the uh, physician group is using 600. And the next day, they push it a little bit further, and you're six months down the road, and they're not using the partition at all. So my cha- uh, I always start with the preposition. Is no, we're not going to reduce the space. If the space is the space, you're either going to lease all of it or none of it. Or if you have multiple tenants, then you can divide uh, that uh, rental rate between multiple tenants who are using the time shared space. Now again, as I introduce this becomes more complicated if hospital landlord is providing some staff for the physicians so all that needs to be factored in usually on an hourly basis but again if you're going to factor in staff you're going to need to figure out what their hourly rate is plus benefits and it's possible that you need to also apply a 20% margin factor that will account for the administrative oversight the hospital is providing to those leased employees uh... to be used by the timeshare tenants and it becomes even more complicated if specialized equipment is going to be used or non-standard supplies are going to be used by the tenants all that will have to be factored in and known and monitored throughout the arrangement uh, you don't want to set up one of these timeshare arrangements and do not believe that there's any equipment that's being used but ultimately somebody is pulling in an ultrasound from the hospital and using the ultrasound Uh, in connection with their valuation and management services so that makes the analysis more challenging and difficult and then somebody just needs to be appointed to monitor and provide the oversight day by day by day of these suites and the usage by the tenants to make sure again it's consistent with the contract and consistent with the fair market value documentation and analysis that came up with the timeshare lease amount so now it's time for the three captain integrity punch points punch point number one is factor in all the items and services that the hospital landlord is going to provide to the timeshare tenant this includes the space the equipment the furniture supplies staff etc captain integrity punch point number two is if the space is going to be operated so that there is some vacancy some known time where the suite is not going to be used or anticipated not to be used then a vacancy factor should be applied as, as well as an administrative factor to administer the timeshared suite so vacancy and administrative factor and punch point number three and this is probably the most important of the three is you need to do three things monitor the arrangement, monitor the arrangement, and monitor the arrangement. Most compliance issues under timeshare arrangement is based upon this thing that I call timeshare creep that the timeshare tenant starts to use the space or the equipment or staff that was not anticipated when the contractual arrangement was entered into or when evaluating the fair market value basis for the timeshare payment. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Stark Integrity, the Stark Law and Compliance Podcast. If you have any questions regarding this episode, the Stark Law, or healthcare compliance, you can contact me at bobwadecaptainintegrity at gmail.com or my law firm email address at bob.wade at nelsonmullins.com. You can review this and any other episode of Stark Integrity at the Captain Integrity website at captainintegrity.com. You can also follow me on LinkedIn under Bob Wade. I hope the three Captain Integrity punch points will help you with the Stark Law and compliance. In closing, remember that integrity depends on you and me.